This is former TNA World Champion Raven, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And don't cross the line. Or do cross the line. I'm not really sure if you're supposed to, you're not supposed to. I don't know. Eh, whatever. You get it. TNA Wrestling. Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 187 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Collin Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley in Dallas. We are another week closer to the first, and I believe only, pay-per-view named Unbreakable. And at Unbreakable, we have at least two matches confirmed. The NWA World Champion, Raven, will be defending against rhino and the x division champion christopher daniels defending against samoa joe wow it's riveting stuff this is gonna be a show yeah i'm looking forward to it of course now on television jeff jarrett has uh, been going around proclaiming that there is going to be a black wednesday that all these guys getting fired from the wwe which would include rhino are going to be invading TNA, and he's been going to various talents, such as America's Most Wanted, saying, you guys could be on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. And we noted that he did make reference to the Dudley Boys. Not directly. He didn't say Dudley Boys, but something along the lines of Dud. Yeah, there's some of them are Duds. Yeah. So, we've got all that going on. And, of course, on October 1st, TNA Impact. It's not prime. It's basically late evening time slot. If you've ever played EWR, it is a late evening, almost graveyard shift. Impact is going to spike TV on slamming Saturday night with UFC and all that jazz. So we have quite a bit coming up. Uh, and then actually, after Unbreakable, we'd have a few weeks of no impacts so we have to find some matches to watch hopefully we don't pick a aj styles christopher daniels from pro wrestling gorilla because that was a snoozer yeah we'll be looking at reviews before we do anything yeah Yeah, we're gonna have to dive into that uh so dallas how are we feeling about impact leading into unbreakable dude we have so much going on i didn't even like i feel like i didn't even realize till you just laid it all out there there's so much stuff that's happening uh at this time and you know, heading toward Unbreakable here, I, I'm excited. Um, it feels like, I, I just get nervous about, I feel like these ones that are like, we stop, and then we have to wait for the paper. It's just like, uh, well, hard justice. And then we like stop for many weeks until Slammiversary. But then Slammiversary was kind of good as fuck. So um, it's a little different this time. We're going to be going to Unbreakable, stopping, and then hitting Impact, and then Bound for Glory. Mm. But I think they're so excited about Bound for Glory that they're not. They're, I feel like we're not talking a lot about Unbreakable. I'm sure we will a little bit more um, in these coming weeks. Uh, we also do have that Chris Candido Memorial Cup tournament going on um, instead of the Super X Cup on this round of tapings, which 
I'm going to be honest with you. I said it last week. Uh, I don't really love tag team random tag team tournaments, so it's kind of a downer for me. Uh, we also have like very just it's like random tag teams. It's like the quote veteran wrestler with the with the younger guy, and uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I just I don't know. I'm just like not. I'm just not here for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I always hated the Battle Bowl stuff because they would try to act like uh, it was truly a random pairing, and then it never – I mean, it was always just conveniently – all these guys have been feuding for six months. Now they're tag team partners. Now, this is a little different, I guess, because like you said, it's a veteran with a um, up-and-comer. So there's that twist to it, but I mean – the idea of like the naturals defending against a random tag team doesn't really grab my attention. Also, isn't it weird that it's the Chris Candido Memorial Cup tournament and the naturals who were managed by Chris Candido are not in said tournament? Well, I feel like the tie-in would be challenging the naturals. I know, I know. Which I guess does, yeah, I guess that does make sense since they are still the champ. I guess, okay. I mean, if they Fine. weren't the champions, then I really don't understand it. But. If they weren't, I almost feel like they'd have to be the team that, like, isn't split up. Yeah. I don't know. They, I guess that is so weird. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm not um, I'm not personally um, loving it, and it's only been one week, but that's okay. It's not taking over the entire show. It's just a couple matches to show, so it's not that bad. Yeah, could be worse. Yeah, but and like we also just came off of the uh, Super X Cup, which is another tournament, and now we're at a tag team tournament and a, a really good tournament. Yeah, if you was, pulled out but... those, you pulled out those Super X Cup matches and put it on like a one show special or like a DVD, for example, or something. That's a good ass tournament. Yeah, it is, but I just you know maybe have some breathing room between. Them. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's just like their way of. Because remember, this is this. I don't know if we said it, but it's kind of common at this point that this set of tapings was another four weeks of tapings at a time. So I think it's kind of like their way of like, okay, fill fill this day's worth of tapings with like something that like is like easy booking. It's a tournament. We'll just get through it, and then once we start up with Spike, we're gonna go back to being taping two shows at a time. Thank God, <laughs> because. Yeah. Even the way the notes format works, I just like that the that taping significantly better. Right. Yeah, you so, don't have the same audience for four shows. Yeah, so that's going to be very refreshing. Yeah, but we will uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we do have some pretty interesting stuff here to talk about before we get into today's show, and then we have a lot of interviews that we're going to talk about during the show, including a Raven interview, and I feel like we don't really hear a lot about Raven interviews. And apparently which is kind of su- which is kind of surprising because Raven like back in uh, the ECW days in really his second run uh would talk to like Meltzer a lot. So I'm That's pretty interesting. Okay. He does love I... to talk though. I mean, you look at all the shoot interviews he's done through the years. I mean, ain't that the truth? Yeah, yeah he, he really does. Chatting. And he's fun to listen to, so I mean, I don't blame them. Um, okay, so I guess let's get right into it. And this first one, we were talking about Spike TV a lot. Uh, Brian Alvarez has a pretty interesting note. Um, and I don't think we've talked about this. I think 
so correct me if I'm wrong as I say it. Some of his stuff does overlap with some past Dave Meltzer stuff, but I don't know if this one did. Um, it's being reported here that with the Spike deal, that TNA is actually not paying for TV time. Uh, which last we heard, I'm pretty sure they were paying for it. Um, he says, I believe this was something just added to the deal within the last few weeks. Now TNA will be on the network for free. And then Spike, in return, will get to sell 98% of the ads and keep that revenue. Therefore, it is now in everyone's best interest to promote the hell out of the show. Uh, before, there was no reason for Spike to do anything because TNA was paying for the programming. This obviously is great news for the company. Dixie Carter and David Sahadi met with Spike officials last week to talk about different marketing ideas. So, this is a positive. Okay, so... I feel like they're still not on there for free. I feel like they're getting something because if Spike TV is selling at 98% of the ads, that means they're trying to recoup something. Right. I think, I think so too. I think this is going to keep developing, but like I said, it's, um, it's up there more. It's, it's a better number than, oh, they're paying to be on still, which even we talked about, like, we don't think this is accurate. Right. I mean, if they're on there for for nothing, you're and you're not doing any ad. Like TNA's not doing any ad. The only thing that they're banking on, I guess, would be at more pay per view buys, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yep. Like that's what it would have to be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't add up. I I think that they're definitely getting a payment. Of some kind. I mean, it's got to be. Yep, I think so, too. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting uh, development in that situation, too. Because even when, like, when they're on FS1, or FS, uh, Fox Sports Net, they were paying whatever it was, but then they were, like, they had split the ad. Like, the, the ad time. Right, right. With Fox. So they were able to recoup some of it, even though I think all their ads were just promoting the paper. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. So. Well, we will see how that develops further. It should be, um, it's always interesting. So um, moving on here about Bound for Glory. Um, so this is now Dave Meltzer. Uh, talking. So the October 23rd Bound for Glory pay-per-view, which they're planning on being their version of WrestleMania, is being talked about to make it special to go longer than the usual three hours. Bob, this is gonna, this could affect us here. It might go longer than three hours. Um, it will start at 7.30pm and be a three hour and 20 minute show with the first 30 minutes for free. Now, you're probably wondering, that's what they always do, right? So the, the pregame show, as they call it, is always free. Um, it's really what they always do, except for the first 30 minutes. They will be considering this part of the show as opposed to the pregame show. Um, they're apparently also doing a fan fest at Universal in conjunction to the show on October 22nd. They're charging $59 for tickets to both uh, the fan fest and the live event as a one-ticket package and are hopeful of selling it out without letting people in for free. Hmm. Okay, so for sixty, they're trying to get seven hundred or eight hundred people to pay to pay sixty bucks. Yep. 
Hmm. Okay. So why haven't we been doing that for pay-per-views? Right. The whole time. And I think honestly, they're really smart to have it like a tie-in with the fan fest deal. And then it's like, you also, you get a ticket to the fan fest and to the show for 60 bucks. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Like, yeah, I mean, Dallas heck? would be there fucking... At least four hours early. Oh, my God, dude. If that fan fest thing is starting at noon, if I, I'm telling you, guys, I've been friends with Dallas for 10 years now, over 10 years. If you don't think that we'd be there by 7 a.m., to be in line, if not earlier, then you don't know Dallas greatly. To be fair, there's only one show I wanted to go four hours early for, and it's because I wanted to make sure I met everyone in the being great, okay? Yeah. And I needed to because I barely got it all done. So suck it. There, well, there was one time that we went fucking mad early, and you got all your shit done in like twelve minutes. Oh, maybe is that the same one? Well, there's two. Okay, maybe there's two times then. Are they both Northeast wrestling shows? Or is there a two CW one? I don't remember. I think the one I think I think I'm thinking of two CW. Okay. The there's Northeast the-, the Northeast one was that- pretty quick too. That was well because okay, so that one I remember because I think you came you came separately. Did you? Did you, you might have came with Billy or something. I don't remember who you were with. Oh, was that? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, was it a group of buddies of mine that went to like a Yankee game or something. Ah, uh, yeah, I think so. We and going to one the next day. Yes, and that's why we went separately because you were pretty much going from that show to New York. Yeah, and. I had to meet you at the door with the ticket. But that one I remember. I got done. I think I luckily got done fairly quick in that one because Kaylee waited in line in the John Moxley line for me. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. I, so I like ran around and met everyone else. And then I met her in line. And she she was texting me like, you got to hurry up. They're checking tickets. <laughs> like, and I had the ticket. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, good stuff. Um, next up here, this is a, kind of an interesting one. Um, so apparently, uh, Matt Bentley here asked for a raise. Um, so it's saying here that there's not a lot of sympathy toward him for asking for $2,500 and coming down to $1,500 per match. So your Bob's making a face and fairly, uh, so because listen to this. So currently TNA has only four or five wrestlers who earn more than $1,500 per match. And you could probably guess them all. It's Raven, Jeff Jarrett. Kip James and Sean Waltman and AJ Styles may be in that neighborhood with his new deal. Okay. I would not have guessed Kip James. Really? For more than fifteen hundred. I mean, you gotta look at it like the Sean Waltman thing, right? He's like the bit he's like the big name. He's a big name kind of guy. Do I think that Kip James is is deserving of fifteen hundred dollars per match at this time in TNA? No. He hasn't done shit. That's what I'm saying. Waltman has at least put out some good matches in, like... Waltman would be worthy of it. What? I wonder what Rhino's getting. No, that's a good point. Rhino's not listed here. out of the thing, man. That's a really good point. Maybe he's, like, just under that, then? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Now, to make this even more interesting, uh, Waltman isn't even under contract, but TNA has attempted to sign him to a one-year contract with two more option years at $2,000 per date with a minimum of 40 dates per year. Uh, Waltman, because of his loyalty to Vince McMahon and Triple H, who literally saved his life by putting him in rehab when he was headed for destruction, well, he'll be meeting with them this week as well. So Waltman is kind of fishing around 
and does not want to sign a deal with TNA at this time. Which yeah, I mean, I, I I read this though, and I was like, late two thousand five, Sean Waltman in WWE. I don't know. I just like, where does he fit? <clears throat> well, I mean, I know it's not till. Is it 2006 when they do the DX reunion? Yeah, that's 2006. Okay, so... Okay, okay. And I know it's after WrestleMania. Yes, that's definitely right, because that's where they start teasing it all. Right, so... Oh, that's an interesting thought. I don't know, do you think it could have worked as good if it was Sean, Triple H, and then, like, Sean Waltman with them, like, random? I don't know. Um... I feel I like it would. I feel like he would have stuck out like a sore thumb in like the new the new DX with, with those two. I don't know. I think it could work. I mean, I know they were. I feel like DX at that point would be more like comedy. Oh, it was. Two. Yeah, it was. Probably so why I, don't I know, loved maybe, it as a kid. But yeah. well, I guess so. I just think about how like when it was like NWO and like it was like, like Waltman was like there. It was like oh yeah, Waltman's in the NWO again, and it's just like. It's just weird. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, that's like that's what I keep thinking of. Yeah. No, I I get that. Um I understand his loyalty like to them, but Yeah, I get that like, too. Like what you're saying is I, I don't know where he'd have to be a raw guy. I don't think I could see him on SmackDown. Yeah, he's a raw guy for sure. Although like, you know, if you if he got there in late oh five, like before Eddie dies. That could be a good match. Yeah. There's probably more good workers on SmackDown that he. Yeah. See, now I'm maybe change my mind. If you're going just for work rate potential, oh, it's got to be SmackDown. It's got to be SmackDown. But That's a work rate show. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If I were him, I would have just signed the contract with uh, TNA. Yeah, I feel like at this point he should too, but. I mean, no. Two thousand bucks per shot. I mean. That's not bad. And he's been working pretty decent. I mean, he's been on TV a decent amount. Yeah, and you're saying at least 40 appearances? Mm -hmm. So that's 80 grand? Yeah. And that's just his TNA work. That doesn't count if he's doing indie shows and... Oh, right, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he would definitely do, like, probably conventions and indie shots. So he's making over 100 grand. Easy. Easy as shit, yeah. Right. And the TNA ones are just blocked together. I mean, I don't know. I'm, aside from the pay-per-view, he's working Monday, Tuesday. Right. Or one day. If it's hey, just at this time, on it's one day, really. Two on, yeah, it's just a two-shot Tuesday. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of contracts, though, I got another note about contracts. So when it comes to the new TNA contracts, there are two major red flags that have been noticed that several of the wrestlers have been talking about with each other. The first is a clause where by signing, the wrestler, as well as um, his heirs, would waive all rights to sue over injuries or death in the ring caused by negligence of the promotion. Now, of course, this would likely uh, wouldn't be likely to hold up in court. Yeah, anyway. no shit. I was just going to say, you get one good lawyer and you're get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> uh, another red flag is that in the event that TNA terminates the contract for disciplinary reasons, the contract states that you can't work for a competitor promotion worldwide, and by the wording, this would include Japanese and European groups, until the end of the contract. 
from a TNA standpoint, that is to make sure that someone doesn't act unprofessional to get themselves fired and then show up on WWE TV, uh, which WWE does have similar provisions, but WWE does pay the wrestlers for their downside guarantee while putting their career on ice and keeping them from working for the opposition. Now, the, the, this contract doesn't call for TNA to continue paying while not using, which basically keeps wrestlers from earning a living within wrestling. Which is, of course, not good. So, those are certainly some red flags. See, now, either way here, okay, the, you know, not being able to sue if the promotion, like, kills somebody. Um, like I said, it you get one lawyer with one brain cell, you're going to rake them over the coals. That yes, would be that. like me playing kickball, right? And if the field is bad and I were to break my leg, they have right. a disclaimer saying, hey, that's not our fault. If I got a good lawyer, it's their fucking fault. That right. There's like a like a, a ditch or something and I break my leg. Like they're going to pay for that. Like that's how it goes. And that'd be the same thing here with pro wrestling. And then the whole, you can't work worldwide. If you're an independent contractor and you don't have any benefits or whatever, then you fucking can do whatever you want. But like Brock Lesnar, like he had a, he got a lawyer, went to court and they're like, Oh fuck, I guess you can go to Japan or, Oh fuck, I guess you can play in the NFL. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no, right. You know what I mean? So like, but nobody does that. Mm hmm. So none of it, none of it would hold up. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, okay, next up. This is going to get pretty heated here. This one is is pretty crazy. Oh. So, yeah, the hits keep coming. And I only got one more after this um, before we get into uh, today's episode. But So while Scott Demore and Mike Tanay, in particular on the booking team, are getting high marks from a lot of the veterans who normally haven't been impressed by the booking in the company, uh, they are unhappy with the, with this being the company's strongest point ever and best chance of making it with the old-school wrestling games still being played. Now, in particular, there was major heat with Jeff Jarrett, with Waltman, Conan, and Ron Killings in particular that Frank Dickerson has had to smooth over. Basically, there is a booking committee of Demore, Tanay, Bill Banks, Jeremy Borash, and Dutch Mantel. The feeling is Borash and Mattel are basically there to largely watch Jarrett's back. But there is also the executive committee, which can overrule them, consisting of Dickerson, Dixie Carter, and Jeff Jarrett. Conan and Killings were told in the past week that the long-term idea is to break them up, with Conan, Apollo, and Shocker being a Latin trio, and Killings <laughs> would at this point appear to fade into oblivion. Um, Conan had what? asked for... Out of the whole... I don't mean to cut you off, but out of that yeah. whole group, Killings would be the one to just fall off into oblivion? <clears throat> Isn't that weird? Isn't that so weird? Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. Wow, okay, sorry, go ahead. No, it, it is crazy. Uh, that no. just blows my mind. Conan had asked for Homicide to be brought in for the group. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I like that better yeah. than, yeah. it was Apollo, you said? Apollo and uh, Shocker. Yeah, no. Put Get rid of a, Apollo. I mean, yeah, I, come on. I would put, yeah, come on. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe the shocker. Maybe keep Apollo as the muscle and get rid of Shocker and put him aside. But Shocker's okay. Yeah, whatever. He's okay. Yeah. Uh, Conan argued that it served no purpose to break him and Killings up right after the angle with BG James would be broken off and go with Kip James unless they had a good role for Killings. 
Now, they ended up arguing in a hotel room with Jared over it. And Jared maybe uh, called killing something that's not very nice. What? I'm not saying it. It's not a But it's not. I mean, it's not the one you're thinking of. Um, Okay, so I'm not saying it. But there was a wrestler. you, You might remember. Mass wrestler. Abismo Negro. Yeah. If you say that in a different way, in a different tone, he called him an uppity. Yeah. Holy shit. So now, so Jarrett apparently, this was the quote, but that was the quote, by the way. This is not me. Uh, Jarrett often makes remarks like that in a kidding nature that Killings hasn't taken offense to at all. But apparently, in the context of a heated discussion, he wasn't happy with it. And it almost got ugly. No shit. Right? Like, come on. I don't uh, think I would say anything like that, even jokingly. Yeah. It's, That's just not my type of humor. Yeah, it's it feels weird. But but here, and but you know what? And I'm not condoning it, but also context. Where's Jeff Jarrett from? Let's Where's Jeff Jarrett from? And We're also in 2005. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to keep all that in mind. People can evolve and change. So at the time, yes. he was probably ignorant and doing all that stuff. Yes. Thinking that it was okay. And if Ron has never voiced any kind of issue, he probably thought it was okay. You know, right. Um, now, Jarrett, when Killings asked what the plans were for him, gave the answer that there there's only 45 minutes of a TV show, and you can't feature everyone, which made him mad again, because what's the point of breaking him and Conan with no idea for him? Killings suggested the idea of forming a team with Jeff Hardy, knowing that Hardy no matter how many shows he does, is always guaranteed a strong position. But Jerry didn't like that idea, although others have suggested that one as well. Uh, Conan went so far as threatening to quit if they were broke up, if they broke up uh, him and Ron Killings. Waltman nearly walked out before the pay-per-view, also on his own issues, saying that he uh, would be professional and put Lynn over clean and leave. He also complained that uh, he and Lynn were only allotted 10 minutes for their match saying that they need more time to get the match over. And it actually got changed to where they went 15 minutes and 23 seconds, um, as well as contract issues as he was asked to sign a contract and didn't have an agent there at the time to look over it. So there is a lot of heated situations going on backstage with the booking team, with Jeff Jarrett, and all sorts of fun stuff. Mm. So pretty, uh, pretty crazy stuff there. So we'll see what happens. Will we lose all three life crew at once? I don't know. <laughs> I could see the the uh, reasoning for uh, killing's hardy thing. I mean, you could tie in the music. Oh yeah, rap. I think I could see I could see that being a thing. Why not? The rap and rock express. Right. Yep. Uh, I don't know, man. The more you talk, the more I feel like rock, or uh, Waltman should just sign a contract. I think Walton needs to sign the contract. Because he's had some good matches with AJ and Lynn, and like he hasn't even scratched the surface of who else he could work. I mean, for real, yeah. You know. And he had a good, like, the Raven Brawl thing was, was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think he's got to do it, too. I wonder if, you know, if he doesn't do it, like, if... If he like regrets it, like now, 
like looking back. Like, yeah, it's good. WWE question. obviously doesn't take him um, ever again. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he doesn't really come back at all. Besides, like the random legend appearances. Right, but in terms of like wrestling on a regular. Right, wrestling. right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he basically pretty, pretty flushed away eighty grand. Yeah, that's kind of sad, huh? Yeah. Well, oh, I got one more note for you, and then the only reason I'm reading this one now is because it's a bit longer form, because um, it's an interview with Jeff Hardy on Between the Ropes Radio. Um, so he's and he talks pretty much strictly about TNA. I mean, there's a couple other things, um, but we won't be talking about those. Just his TNA stuff, but uh, he said he can only blame himself for his no shows and missing the Hard Justice pay per view. He said he deserved the suspension and probably should have been fired. He said he almost quit in February when the table spot in the Abyss match screwed up, and he was so mad that he just wanted to get out of wrestling. If you remember, <laughs> Bob, that was the temper tantrum. Yeah, I do. Uh, he noted he was wrestling Bobby Roode on the next pay-per-view uh, with Angle shot away from the crowd. So apparently they shot stuff backstage about this. So we didn't. So we don't know. We didn't know that. We did not know that. Okay. Um, so spoiler for Unbreakable. Um, he says so. Angle shot away from the crowd probably on the day after the pay-per-view uh, where they do they do a lot of the backstage stuff and all that. Um, on, so they said yeah they. Cut tons of backstage interviews and angles on Monday so that the Tuesday tapings of four hours goes by quicker. So they tape backstage stuff Monday, matches on Tuesday, it seems. Okay. Um, and they will only tape matches in in-ring in front of the live crowd. Uh, he said that he would be doing the Willow the Wisp characters in Alter Ego. Now, as noted here before, um, and Dave notes this, that's not just me saying it, we were told that he requested this and it was going to happen, but the current booking committee turned it down. So he's not doing it. Uh, he also criticized the way that Matt Hardy handled his business, saying that he strung TNA along for months when he believed Matt always, deep down, knew he was going back, and he did a great disservice to TNA by indicating that he was coming, never signing, and letting them know that he wasn't coming until the last minute. Of course, in Matt's defense to a degree, WWE wanted him wanted at that point to keep it quiet and misinform everyone. But it is true that TNA had booked major things involving the Hardys versus AMW, uh, in a huge program, and it was only because they started to realize that things were fishy, and not because Hardy let them know that he wasn't coming, and they started to make new plans. Hmm. Well, I'm su- I'm surprised that Jeff would say that, right? About his brother. Yeah, and actually, it's um, he even goes on to say he says Dave says that in hindsight, Hardy looks to have made the wrong call because he could have been NWA champion. And been made twenty five hundred dollars per shot every weekend working in the indies, uh, plus all his other money and stuff. But uh, he basically says that in WWE he's not really heading anywhere besides getting a high paying job. That's kind of I feel like that's accurate. Like he has that feud with Edge, and that's kind of it. Yeah, like I don't really remember what he does after that. Well, like there's the MVP stuff at the U.S. title, but that's after it. Oh yeah, Jeez. that's like wow. that's like late '06, I think, isn't it? That's crazy. Oh, wow, yeah, hmm. that's crazy. See, all these people like Waltman should sign. If Matt Hardy came in, who knows? Probably a fucking great match with AMW for who knows how long. 
I don't That's know if he I mean. would be an NWA champion. I no, I, I don't think so either. But I don't know. If they won't give it to Jeff Hardy, there's no way they're giving it to Matt Hardy. If they gave it to Matt and not Jeff, no if that's way. not a TNA thing, I don't know what is. There's no way. The only way I could see them doing that, I mean, you can make the argument that it, at that moment, uh, Matt would have been like hotter than Jeff because of right. the online thing. Right. That would just be crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but that's all I got here, Bob, before we get into the show. Like I said, I have a couple more interviews. Um, I think there's at least three interview notes that we'll talk about during the show. Um, among other things, including another rule that the wrestlers were told backstage at this taping. So, that's some pretty interesting stuff coming up. Fantastic. Um, and one thing before we get into the show, if... Uh... If Ron Killings were to be going nowhere, if they were to break up, what would Sonny Siaki do if Apollo was in this new group with Conan and Shocker? Okay, so maybe Con- or, uh, Ron Killings and Sonny Siaki need to be a team then. And you have like the ex, the ex-teammates. Or they the join the Diamonds. They're going to join the Diamonds in the Rough. Mm-hmm. Or their team name could just be going nowhere. Going nowhere. And they can be shooting. Yeah. The booking committee told us we got nothing left. We're going nowhere. Yeah. And they just lose every match. It'd be great. <clears throat> or like not not stars. Right. I don't know. It's just weird because um, Killings has been around since, you know, pretty much the beginning here. And he's been the NWA champion. And he's like, I don't know, he's been popular with the fans. And then they're like, eh, we just, we're done with you. That's so. We want Conan to have a group. Sorry. I would have said that BG James out of that three would do nothing. But he has Kip. And you have the Outlaws. So that's his bailout. Ron doesn't have that attachment. If we didn't have Kip. BG's gone. Like, there's no way. I mean, he's the one that you don't have anything to do with. Right? I mean, he's got to be. I guess unless the story then switched and it was Conan leaving for this new group, and then BG and Killings were like, what are you doing? Right. But, like, I don't know. He's the one who I think eventually gets lost easily or more easily. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it would be if I was booking. Uh, All right. Let's get into the August 26th, 2005 edition of impact the uh, runtime is 45 minutes and 23 seconds if you want to watch along with us head over to impact plus or find it in your own personal collection i'm going to count down from three and when i say play that is when we're going to enjoy ourselves some impact so here we go three two one play this is tna i need to stop saying that every single time but it's literally the first thing that comes up yeah i can't help it and now, from stage 21 in Universal Studios Orlando. We're almost done with the internet days, Bob. Yeah, that's crazy. Three more episodes of Impact from the internet. Is there three? Well, today, and we got two more, and then it's unbreakable. Oh, shit, yeah, okay. 
Okay, Tanase, we got two more opening round matches for the Chris Candido Memorial uh, Tag Team Tournament. That's right, Ravens facing Bobby Roode. Whoa, that guy's going nuts. Do you see that? They're all going nuts. Morphoplex banner on the apron. Look how sad the graphic looks. This is how you know. Like, to me, like I can tell they don't care about this tournament. Yeah. So it looks like Waltman and Shelly against Abyss and Sharkboy is coming up because I hear Waltman's music. Who's the veteran in the Abyss Sharkboy? It's got to be Abyss. Yeah, but Sharkboy was around longer. Has he been? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. Abyss was, like, was... wrestling in, like, Georgia and stuff, but Sharkboy was on, like, Saturday, WWE Saturday night in, like, 1999. I don't know if I knew that or not. So in terms of like exposure. So he's a WCW legend. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, he was like on uh, a bunch of Saturday nights in like 2000 before it got canceled. And he became like a cult favorite. Dude, why don't they say that? Because who cares? Well, I know, but you'd be like, yo, he's in WCW. I didn't know that. I'm looking up some of his matches. I got to. I don't know if he ever won anything, but I know. That's fine. Was... Who cares? Yeah. And here comes Sharkboy. So the Sharkboy apparently like the he did. Dead Sea Connection? Is that the <laughs> team name with him in Abyss? Oh, why is Jeff Hardy in the crowd? Here comes Abyss with James Mitchell, who's wearing his blue or purple suit. I can't tell because of the light. Okay, so in 99, let's see. Oh, no, he did get a win. It's a dark match, though. <laughs> oh, see, that doesn't count. Oh, he got two wins in dark matches. They don't win, though. Nobody saw it. Well, people in the arena did. I knew you were going to say that, but that still doesn't count. Okay, so... On September 30th, 1999, Frankie Lancaster defeated Dean Roll. Yeah, that, yeah, that's him. I know. So that's his first televised WCW appearance. Yeah. Um, fans in the crowd just had the Abyss and Sharkboy toys together. Definitely not planted together. No way. Never Definitely really. not. They don't do that. No. Okay, then in 2000, let's see what he's got. Okay. Oh, see, Bob, you're bullshit. He did win. He won a bunch. He did? So, yeah. So, uh, February 2nd, 2000, Norman Smiley defeated Sharkboy. But then, on September 16th, 2000, Sharkboy defeated Jeremy Lopez. And then, this is actually kind of a big win, I feel like, at the time. March 1st, 2000, Sharkboy defeated Silver King. That's like a known guy. That is a... That is a... That is that's a not bad. In a five-minute, twenty-second match, I feel like that's long for worldwide. On on or Saturday night. Uh, oh, on Saturday night. oh on Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. My bad. Yeah. I was gonna say worldwide. No one's watching worldwide. So. Um, and then on March fifteenth, two thousand, Psychosis defeated Shark Boy, and then he had one more appearance. And actually, this is kind of fun. As Shark Boy and Alex Shelley are starting us off, by the way, with some hip tosses. Um, three count defeated Elix Skipper, Frank Paris, and Shark Boy. Hmm. Kind of fun. Interesting. I never knew anything about any of that stuff, so that's I like that. That's good stuff. Uh, I got one indie note for Abyss, and mm-hmm. this is a match that I have yet to watch, but it's 
in my pile of things I need, or shows I need to watch. On August 21st, Jeff Jarrett retained the NWA Cyberspace Heavyweight Championship inside of a steel cage when he defeated Abyss at NWA Cyberspace Cybercade 2 in Wayne, New Jersey. Now, that is another match that I've been wanting to watch. For, really? Yeah, for, for years. Don't know why. I think it's because I've never seen a Jared Abyss match. Certainly not around this time. Oh, that's a good point. So I've wanted to see how that uh, would play out. And then I have one note here for uh, Alex Shelley, as Sean Waldman now is working over his sharp way. Davey Richards and Hardcore Kid defeated Alex Shelley and TJ Perkins at Pro Wrestling Gorillas Smells Like Steen Spirit in Los Angeles, California. Nice. Blind this draw. Is, yeah, they said it's a blind draw tournament. As Walman and Shark Boy are going at it here. He had a nasty clothesline on Shark Boy into the corner, but Shark Boy somehow kicked out still, too. Tags in uh, Alex Shelley. I'm looking more at Shark Boy matches now. Um, I found I found a uh, Southern Night Heat appearance. Oh, uh, there's good. there's a couple dark ones, which of course we don't count those. But then um, on uh, April 21st, 2003, Christopher Nowinski defeated Shark Boy on the international version of the show. So I don't know if it it probably didn't air in the U.S. Then I'm assuming, but yeah, so that would have been like um, the U.K. version or whatever. Because I was, I was like, I don't think he did go to the, did anything in WWE, and here we are. He never had like a regular heat appearance or velocity. No shock treatment. Hey, you know what? Abyss just hit shock treatment on his former buddy Alex Shelley. I forgot all about can you, that. Can you believe this? They should have been a blind. Oh, he's gonna turn on fucking Shark Boy right here. But yeah, they should have been the team, and then brought back Goldilocks for the tournament. Why not? I would have. Black Hole Slam. And Shark Boy. Who is his partner, by the way. So Yeah. So that's and gonna... so I could see where that's going. Shelly calling for something. What's he doing? The, the shell, shell shock. Shot. I had to make sure I, I didn't know what he was calling that one right now. So And he wins the match. Alex Shelley and Waltman advancing. I feel like Shelly's starting to find his place more here. Like, you can tell he's way more confident than when we first saw him. Absolutely. I kind of like the idea of Waltman and Shelly as a team. Yeah, I think it's actually kind of interesting. So now um, they will face the winner of Kip James and Petey Williams against Conan and Hoyt. Which we are seeing tonight. So, yes. uh, we got Diamonds in the Rough coming out next. And it's David Young and Simon Diamond. No Elix Skipper right now. It's like Glenn Gilberti's old theme. It is, isn't it? Yep. Which I actually like. I think it's a pretty good theme. <laughs> and the only reason I know that is because when I was searching for uh, themes at the end of our episodes, I was like, what the heck song are they coming out to? And then I was like, and then it, it's Glenn Gilberti's. <laughs> huh. There's a couple people who like still don't have like the themes that were released. Like, Samoa Joe's theme currently is not Samoa Joe's theme. No, it's not. Yeah. Which we all, I mean, we know that, but, like, it's not, like, a released version. Mikey Bats and Jarrell Clark coming out to, I'm assuming, Mikey Bats' theme, because I just realized that I also have Jarrell Clark's theme, which is, like, one that we've had for a while. But 
I don't have Mikey Bats, I don't think. Oh. Raven and Bobby Roode tonight. Yep. In a non-title match. Yeah, so you got to make sure you know that very well. Let's see, what can I give you here, Bob, as this match starts, as David Young and Jarrell Clark are in the ring? Um, okay, let me give you that fun rule, because actually it was a note for last week, and I kind of I kind of missed it. But it's about the taping still, so it still counts. Um, so during this set of tapings, the wrestlers were given new rules regarding independent bookings. Mm-hmm. Now, because TNA will be having DVDs distributed at the national chains, including Walmart in September and Best Buys in October, all contract Next wrestlers... Yeah. That was wicked nice. Um, all contracted wrestlers are no longer allowed to appear for any indie promotions that have DVDs sold at major chains. They are okay with Ring of Honor or other promotions that sell DVDs through mail order or the internet. But if ROH starts moving to chain sales, then TNA talent would be pulled once again. Talent is also not allowed to work on any shows that will air either live or on a tape delay on pay-per-view anywhere in North America. I don't know. I don't think there's any indie company that's really has chain chain releases like them. Well, there's another follow up. I think this might be an Alvarez note. I don't can't remember, but apparently there are ROH releases at retail video stores, which could mess up relations with TNA. So that must be like a specialty store thing. I would have to guess, but. Yeah, and I don't think they're doing compilations yet. Although they might have, like, bloodiest matches or something. I can't remember if that's around this time. Oh, does does ROH do that, too? Yeah, but they're not not doing, like, oh, hey, here's our show from May, and it's in the FYE or something. They're not doing that. Oh, okay. I don't know if I've ever seen a Ring of Honor DVD in person except for at Gizmos, which was, of course, like, a, a used store. Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah, if there I've was ever... there was never like a brand new Ring of Honor DVD at the store. I don't know if I've ever even seen one at like FYE. I don't recall ever. Seeing I one. remember in when I went to Boston one time, like around this time, probably a year before, that there was a three PW DVD. Whoa, that was new. It was not used. Ah, oh, nice work around by Jarrell Clark. He's taking he's cleaning house here with Simon Diamond and David Young. Tilt to Warl. Oh, Diamond caught him. Oh. Countered. Holy shit, that clothesline by David Young making the draw clerk back. I'm about to actually win a match. Spinebuster. That's a three. Holy, David Young has got a three count. That's, I believe, the second time they've won. Here's the thing I liked that, and I like it. Look at David Young. He's like fucking pissed, and I I like that. He's like determined to piss. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Diamond is very happy with that. Backstage with Shane Douglas and Larry Zabisco, and it starts with, ooh, legend. I've known you for a long time. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Unbreakable coming up. Oh, Zabisco goes, I've inherited a mess from the previous administration. Just a, a little shot at Dusty Rhodes real quick right there. Why not? We're going to take AMW, Team Canada, and the winner of the Chris Candido Memorial 10 tournament. And they're going to go all in the ring with the Naturals. 
four-way elimination tag team contest. And it's for the titles. That's pretty big, Bob. Wait, another question about Unbreakable, and Daniel's just walked in. He's got to talk to Zabisco. He's whispering. I can't hear I'm the X Division champion. I'm Mr. TNA. The most important part of the Spike TV deal. I don't like that he's whispering to him. He's going to defend this championship against Mojo. You saw what AJ Styles did to me. He jumped me from behind. He attacked me. Blindsided me. How am I supposed to do my best when I'm always looking over my shoulder? He needs to find or suspend AJ Styles or arrest him or chain him to a radiator in the basement? Wow. If it wasn't for Daniels, you'd be on the championship committee of the softball league. That's pretty funny. <laughs> right, he's got a philosophy. I missed what he said, though. He said he has a philosophy of keep it simple, stupid. Oh, okay. That, that's the part I missed. Uh-oh. He's not going to do what I think he's going to do. If you can't keep him out, let him in and see what happens. Small Joe Fallen Angel, AJ Styles. Oh, baby. Three-way dance. Settle it once and for all. So now here's my th- here's my question. What was the point of the Super, the Super X? To make Samoa Joe look really good. Yeah, but now he doesn't get a singles match. Just say it. Say my name. Oh, he's not coming out to Diamonds in the Rough music? No, but he's with Simon Diamond. Yeah. I like that red gear, too. Um, okay. So, Bob, we are... Unbreakable is starting to stack up here. We have yeah. a four-way elimination tag team title match, which makes me not hate the random tag team that's going to be added in as much because we're going to have our established teams in it. We now have a three-way dance for the exhibition title, and holy shit, I agree with you, but I cannot wait. For the hindsight of this, I I cannot wait. No, I mean, I, yeah, it's going to be a great match, but I mean... But you're right. I mean, what's the point? Um, Skipper's fighting Apollo with Sonny Siaki. Conan's new teammate. Um, Man, I was gonna give you. When, remember when Siaki was like the best thing on the guy? The yeah, isn't that crazy? I think about that often, actually. Um, I was gonna mention this quick note because um, he's another backstage interviewer that appears here in TNA. Uh, Shane Douglas is, of course, our favorite, but Terry Taylor was on Wrestling Weekly. And he said he didn't think that the 11 p.m. Saturday night slot was bad because he felt that most 18 to 34 males would be home by that time. On a Saturday? Yeah. That's what he said. Okay. And as Alvarez... I'm you there, Terry, but if you're probably between the ages of 21 and 40 on a Saturday night, you're probably out and about... Yeah, so um, Alvarez makes a joke that says, yes, tons of guys who go out on Saturday night are back home in front of the TV by 11 p.m. 
Well, we know one person that would be. That is not true. It has you. <laughs> I have barely watched Collision Live so far, so I'd like to just point that out. Okay, well, Collision's also on at 8 o'clock. Not 11. That's true. So, if it was on at 11, you'd probably be home in time. Oh, Apollo, come on. That looks sloppy. You could have just injured Elix Skipper there. He tossed him into the corner. I didn't like that. Oh, man. Wrestling, gorilla wrestling by Apollo. Can he get him with a one, two? No, could go to two. Slap him in the face. Oh, I was gonna make another comment about you finding a 3PW DVD. I do recall at FYE finding some random wrestling ones. Um, I definitely remember seeing an XPW before. XPW was definitely there. So, like, some more of that hardcore stuff. Um, I definitely remember. So, maybe I have also seen 3PW. Because the thing is, like, I went for a while where it was, like, if I found something weird like that, I'd buy it. Because it's, like, what is this? Like, how do I? But that, yeah, which I is, like, it. the same reason where, like, at Gizmo, which Gizmos was amazing, of course, um, a local wrestling video game store we had. Uh, but that's why, like, they had the Wrestling Society X DVD, and I was like, yo, 10 bucks for the entire Wrestling Society X run? Yeah. So I bought it. <laughs> and I also bought, like, a random, like, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, um, like, Best of the Early Years DVD there. It's, like, a set. Yeah, I remember, I want to, maybe I bought two of them, the 3PW, but I know one of them was, uh, it had Al Snow against Sabu. I think the show was Got Head. Oh my gosh. And then um, I'm going to look it up real quick because it might be the same show. But I know, like, I feel like there was like a Raven Sandman match or something. And I saw it and I was like, what the hell? Like, what is this? The Skipper laid in some good kicks and went for cover, uh, but Apollo kicked out of two. So. Oh, wait. Okay. Oh, it's, it's Kip, James, the same Kip James and PD Williams will be talking to Shane Douglas after this match. So here, these are the matches on that 3PW show. This is from January 24th, 2004. So I probably bought it in like 2005 or something. I'll just say the ones that you'll know. There's three three matches that you'll know of the guys. There's Joy Matthews against AJ Styles. Uh-huh. Raven against Sandman for the 3PW title in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. And then Sabu against Al Snow. Hmm, okay. I can see why you would grab it. Yeah. Yeah. But this is also the same reason why, like, I bought that Hardcore Homecoming DVD, like, when mm-hmm. it was, like, out. Because I was like, what is this? And, like, Raven was on the cover. And, like, yep. so it's the same thing. So I used to randomly grab stuff like that. It's, dude, same thing with the TNA shit. Although I think I kind of knew about TNA when I bought it. So a little different. But, like, still, it's like, what the fuck is this? It's 10 bucks for a three DVD box set. Beautiful moonsault by Skipper taking out Apollo, but he got a kick out again. That was one thing that TNA did pretty good was they, they made their stuff like super affordable. Yeah, I ain't gonna complain. Skipper to the top, leg drop off the top rope, but he misses. Dude, if Apollo wins here, I'm gonna be fucking pissed, dude. Super kick and Skipper is getting up. Okay. Slowly, but he's getting up. Oh, oh he's gonna get no. TKO. TKO. Okay, that was a nice TKO, but he should not win. No, no. One, two. Fuck it, dude, come on. 
Elix Skipper losing to Apollo right now? Are we serious? I mean, I had a feeling that was going to happen. Is he got to go on like a weird losing streak before he starts winning like David Young's starting to do? Maybe. I kind of like Coach Simon Diamond, who's like pissed about everyone losing, though. Yeah. We are with Kip James and Petey Williams, our next team backstage here with Shane Douglas. The unique thing about this tournament is it put the veterans with the up-and-coming superstars like Petey Williams. I might be two feet taller than him, but it doesn't matter. He's up-and-coming. It's just, it's no uh, he's no stranger to tag teams or tag team tournaments. Oh, here's uh, Monty Brown. Kip, I told you that Beachy James couldn't be trusted. Go do your little tournament, Petey. Willowman hit the Canadian Destroyer and all that other stuff. Well, Monty says after that, get your head back in the game because Monty Brown, the alpha male, has big plans. I never watched anyone ever to watch my back. But you came to the alpha male and you told me. We'll hunt together and oh, Jeff Jarrett, we have so many guys in the shot right now for no reason. I was going to say Petey's is there. If we don't stick together, everyone who built this company from the ground up is going to be replaced. Oh, all of Team Canada is going to be behind him. Kip, we go way back. You're with me, right? Okay, so everyone agrees that he's with him. Let's see what the alpha male says. I never trusted you from the beginning, but you and I had an agreement. You blew that agreement. It's null and void. You got one chance and you blew that. He's serving notice to him and to TNA Entertainment. Anyone else that wants to come in here and take what the alpha male has? Alpha male is at the top of the food chain. Well, rightfully, it belongs to me. Hmm. Okay, so that means... I don't understand. Did he just, like, break up with Jeff Jarrett? Yeah, he basically said, I'm not listening to you, I feel like. I think, dude, why aren't you building nothing around Monty Brown? It's null and void. He should be one of your top stars going into Spike, if you want my opinion. I mean, I think that's that's definitely a fair thing. I mean, he's freaking so good. He's got the chari- like the charisma. I think that alone oozing is like, off of the guy. He talks and you listen. Yeah. Now here comes Petey Williams and uh, uh, Kip James. And since it's another tag match, Bob, I'll give you one of these interview notes. You wouldn't be able to guess this one, but we had an interview on Voice of Wrestling with Bubba Ray Dudley. And you're wondering, mm. why the fuck are we talking about Bubba Ray Dudley? 
And that's because um, during this interview, he put over TNA, saying it would be great to win the NWA tag titles. And he was surprised that Jeff Jarrett teased that they were coming on the pay-per-view. He said they were no longer talking to WWE and said that there was nothing to accomplish there. He also said if WWE changed their minds and made a good money offer, of course they'd be interested. Of course. And I had to say that because I knew you'd get a kick out of that part. Oh, you know, we're not really talking to him and there's nothing to do there. But if they gave us more money, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Is that not the most Bubba Dudley thing ever? Oh, my God. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, we're not really talking to them and like we've done everything, so we don't really want to go back. But if they changed their mind and wanted to give us um, some good money, we, we definitely would do that. Hoyt rules. That is an awful looking sign because it looks like they started to color in the letters and then decided, wow, this is using way too much marker. <sighs> <laughs> and it was like a random letter in the middle that they started with. La raza. Arriba, la raza. Conan's doing his normal thing here. Lance Hoyt's just standing there as they're chanting his name. So, of course, Conan's going to try to milk that up, too, because it's like, hey, I'm his partner. Right. Um, Lance Hoyt, or uh, Archer, in current days, retweeted a, a, a recently, and he said something kind of funny. Let me see if I can... So I wrote about Hoytomania running wild on Abyss. And so he quote tweeted and just wrote Hoytomania in caps. And then someone uh, wrote to him and says that they remember Hoytomania like it was yesterday. And uh, it doesn't get enough respect. Uh, he says, didn't get enough from enough then from the powers that were. So he kind of was like, yeah, they didn't really respect me either. Mm. Which is interesting because his boss, Jeff Jarrett, is now one of his colleagues. Right. And that's a really good point. So as of this recording, they just announced, and I texted Bob immediately, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match <laughs> between Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy in 2023. What in the fuck? Is Dude. there like a purpose for it? Or is it okay, just a so random thing? It's a random thing, but it's a sponsored it's a sponsorship thing. It's a video game, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. And okay. Jeff Jarrett's the last outlaw. So he cut, there's like a promo video of him like talking in his outlaw gear in like a field, and like talking about it. And then he, yes, Conan's whipping his shoe at everyone, and that shoe might have bounced into the crowd. He might have just yeah, lost so that shoe. Conan first threw it at Petey. It fell outside. So then he went to the floor to retrieve it, and then he came back in and he threw it at Kip. So it's now he's running back. around with one shoe on. Oh, no, he's got it back. Or wait, no, he already put it back on. Oh, good for him. PD did a chop lock, though. Uh, but yeah, dude, that match, it's so random. But I was like, as a TNA mark, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Victory Road rematch, or as Lance said, the date with fate rematch. Cause... Who did he have a concession brawl with? Mark Briscoe, right? Yes, yes, those okay. are the Briscoes. That was I remember I watched that, and, like, that was disappointing. That was not. What'd you expect? I thought it was going to be a good concession brawl, and it was not. Are concession brawls, like, really good, though? Like, are they? So, the one that was hey, done on. in Memphis. There's one in Memphis, from Memphis, that they always talk about. The Moondogs and Jarrett and uh, Lawler. Okay. I believe that's what it was. And um, that's probably, I bet you that was mentioned when he 
challenge. Yeah. To. So that was, yeah, it's always talked about, I guess, always brought up. So, you know, you watch that, and at the time, in like 1992 or whatever, like they're hitting each other with all these things, and it's enjoyable. And I don't know, like what I was expecting was not what happened. Um, I can't remember the the more recent one too too much off the top of my head. Besides that, I think there was mustard involved and just like things getting thrown around. And like sometimes I like that in the middle of a wrestling show. So I don't think I hated it. I didn't hate it. I just was you know expecting something different. Right. Uh, Petey's tagged in now, going after Conan in a little double team. We are controlling everyone in one corner. I'm feeling they are not tagging Coit in because the crowd's going to go nuts, and then him and Conan will win. That's my guess. Yeah, I don't know if he's after this match and they show the bracket again, Bob. We we got to pick which team we want to win and go for the tag titles. Um, I'm already gonna say Waltman and Shelley. Oh yeah, Rolling Thunder clothesline turns Petey inside out. There's Hoyt. Boom, couple clotheslines to uh, Kip. Irish Whips comes back. Sidewalk slam. Bam. All right. I have a few indie notes here for Petey Williams. Oh, okay. Um, I guess I'll just, there's three of them, so I'll just say all three. On August 19th at PWG Smells Like Steen Spirit, the PWG Tag Team Champions, two skinny black guys, which is El Generico and Human Tornado, defeated what? Frankie Kazarian and Petey Williams. Wait, why is that their name? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Early okay. PWG is bizarre. Okay. Uh, August 20th, NBA Wrestling Legends Fest Night 1. Elix Skipper defeated P.D. Williams. And then on August 21st... Oh, wait, with a big boot. Is he going to pin Kip? Three. Holy hey. Shit. Wow, that's a big pin for him, too. To not, that is I mean, very big. Pinning Kip? Wow. Uh, August 21st... Six-way Golden Key elimination match. Chris Harris defeated Bobby Roode, James Storms, Joel Maximo, P.D. Williams, and Shark Boy at Cyberspace Cybercade 2. Wow. And that's all for this one. Okay, so Hoyt and Conan, Sean, Walt- or Sean Waltman and Shelly. We have Truth and Dutt and Shocker and Saban. Those are our teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going with... Uh, okay, we're backstage with America's Most Shelley. Wanted. What are your thoughts? Harris says we got our title match, and that's what we wanted. Also, it's a chance to get in the ring and beat the hell out of the Naturals, which is what we do. We've been the most dominant tag team in professional wrestling. Come unbreakable. They're going to they're gonna walk in, and then they're going to walk out as the new tag team champions. Storm says they did not become the most dominant tag team in wrestling by laying down. But they did it by beating people up. It's not going to be a wrestling match, boys. It's going to be a fight. Sorry about your damn look. Okay, we're backstage again with Shane Douglas, Larry Zabisco after a commercial break. He's looking for Jeff Hardy. We suspended him three months ago. Haven't seen him. He's got to play by our rules. 
There you go. There's the announcement. He's fighting Bobby Roode. And Jeff Hardy just hanging upside down. <laughs> you wanted me back? You got me back. And then he and he just went back up. We're on Spike TV. I need professionals to deal with. Okay, that was kind of funny. It was like really random, but. For Pete's sake, you need a walk, though. Um, okay, I had a. Actually, this works because Bobby Roode's coming out next, and as a ton of a Team Canada note, uh, Johnny Devine uh, on the morale the company said during an interview that um, morale is so much higher now that the bookers know the names of talent. And just to give you an idea, there was a time when uh, Dusty uh, took over and promised to, quote, push the X Division. And he called the members of Team Canada, quote, uh, he says, Big Canada, that's Bobby Roode, Little Canada, that's Petey Williams, who we are seeing on our stream, Ankle, who is Eric Young, and and Blonde, who is Johnny Devine. How the hell do you book a company and not know the names of your talent? What about A1? Uh, that's not listed in this specific. Um, oh. Well, this was with Johnny Devine, so A1 wasn't really there yet. Oh, okay. I would have called him the Muscle Canadian. Right. Um, I have another one I'm going to give because I have a Raven interview, too, and I want to get to it during this match. Uh, Ultimo Dragon has sent feelers out about getting a contract here in TNA. Uh, he was offered matches with Christopher Daniels on the past two pay-per-views, um, but in both cases turned them down due to scheduling conflicts and that he didn't want to get on the bad side of WWE. But he is interested in coming in now that he doesn't have anything uh, going on in Japan if a spot is available. Yeah, I remember you saying that before. Well, he's apparently still going for it. What, how did you feel about that? Ultimo Dragon just appeared here in TNA with a contract. Uh, I like I like Ultimo Dragon. I think it'd be pretty freaking cool, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, okay, and then I guess let me just knock out this Raven thing here before we get too far in this match and we can enjoy it. As Raven laying down the NWA title in the middle of the ring, standing off Bobby Roode. Uh, Raven on Between the Ropes said that the keys to success for TNA on Spike uh, were to focus on the X Division and teach everyone how to talk and develop three-dimensional characters. He said that two hours were necessary, but if they only had one, they had to make the most of it. He said that they needed big stars to hook the fans. Then once the fans were hooked, get them into the new stars. This is all great in theory. It's the execution that's usually the problem. Uh, He said that the big stars... Uh, they should use are guys like Nash, Waltman, and the Dudleys. He talked about how hard babyface promos were because you were limited in what you could say, whereas as a heel, you could go all out. Raven noted that every young guy wanted to be a heel because it seemed like it's so much fun, but most of them really had no idea how to do it. Sounds very. Right. Sounds like a very Raven interview. Yeah. Because he knows his shit, so... Yeah, it might take him a minute to get to his point, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's our notes for today's show. We're going to commercial, it looks like. And we're back. Throws brood right into the post. By the way, we are at 36 minutes and 8 seconds if you're following along. Which also means we have just over 9 minutes left in the program. Okay, that's actually way more... We're on the main event. Yeah. So I'm assuming we're going to have a, a little post-match uh, situation. Clothesline by Bobby Roode. This is a big match for Bobby Roode. Yeah, it is. 
And even Raven, when's the last time Raven had a singles match on Impact? I feel like even that's been a while, has it not? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like he doesn't, he hasn't wrestled singles matches recently. Well, because he had a tag team thing going on there. That's what I mean. Let's see. uh, Sacrifice. What year are we in? 2005. Vladarude hooking Raven up for a snap suplex and takes him over. Can you get the three count? One, two. No. <gasps> no. Now he's illegally choking him. That's rude. Okay, I'm going to try to figure this out here. He's had them on pay-per-view, of course, but I'm looking for an impact singles match. Oh, no, that's the pay-per-view. Okay, I found it. January 18th. This is his last singles match on Impact. Seven months ago? Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. I mean, he's even wrestled very sparingly on Impact. Well, I don't know if I've even realized. He's, he has a lot of interview time, a lot of promos. Yeah. But, yeah, it's very sparingly. Uh, so that's the last time he had a singles match on Impact. Wow. That's crazy. We're balling on the outside now, but that's Petey Williams just threw him back in the ring, so. Like I said, though, his pay-per-views are mostly singles matches, so that's kind of where they're filling that. Yeah. The ever-devastating sleeper. Maybe even a little bit of a choke. Let's check that arm there, ref. Yeah, come on, Thomas. I think it's Andrew Thomas, is it? I didn't even look. Oh, you know what? By the way, Raven's back to jean shorts. Oh, come on. He just started wearing the skirt again. I don't understand. Why does he keep switching it? I don't know. I don't know. If it was me, I think the skirt is, well, I like the look better anyways. But to me, it's like, oh, he's just wearing jean shorts and a t-shirt. Like, I think he looks cooler in the skirt is like, oh, that's our champion. I, do you think he'll start Spike TV with the jean and shirt just because maybe he's more recognizable like that? I'm wondering. But in I, WWE, though, he was wearing... Well, I guess he wore jeans for a little bit, but he was definitely wearing... He had a skirt at the end. Yeah, you told me. I See, I don't really remember that, but you did mention that. Yeah. I love the skirt look because Raven is one of the... like He's like one of the only guys I've seen is like, yo, he looks so badass in a skirt right now. I mean, he pulls it off. It, like, fits his vibe, like, so good. Yeah. He also doesn't need to be wearing a shirt. He's in good shape. Is he? I mean, not bad enough to be wearing a shirt. He just he just wrestled on pay-per-view in the skirt, and he looked good. He's not fucking ripped, but, like, was he ever? Uh, There was a time where he was, but he was on stage. Okay. Well, and I guess, like, when he first came in TNA, he was pretty jacked, but... Well, you know what? Even like in WCW, he wore a shirt. I'm pretty okay. Yeah, I'm he pretty did. Sure, see, but I'm pretty sure when he like in WWE, like he started, he was wearing a shirt when he first came in, and then he didn't wear the shirt. He was definitely on roids at that point. Hmm. So like 2002, he's on steroids. I'll give. I mean, I also give Raven the benefit of the doubt that he wears it more for like I think the look, like the grungy look, than like yes. oh, I'm out of shape. I need to wear this. Whereas, like, most wrestlers, it's like, I need to wear the shirt. 
clothesline taking Rude down here. High knee. I remember reading something like with Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen, and like Cornette or whatever. It was like, are you wearing a fucking shirt? You can't be a champion wearing a shirt. I don't think I've ever sat here and like if a guy wins the title and he's wearing a t-shirt, I'd be like, oh, wow, he's not a champion because he's wearing a shirt. No, I don't think I've ever felt like that. That It does not bother me at all. I do think that sometimes if it's someone who normally doesn't, like if Rude was wrestling on Impact here in a shirt, I'd be like, oh, he's doing the shirt gimmick. It's like I was joking about MJF recently because like on Dynamite, he's been wearing the shirt with Adam Mm -hmm. Cole. And now, and I was like, I think he's doing it to like promote the shirt because it's like their tag team thing. But then I was also like, oh, he's giving a shirt MJF. It's just like in New Japan, there's a joke with uh, Naito. It's like, oh, shirt Naito. That means he's not giving us his his hundred percent. That's how you know. Well, it's also a new figure opportunity. No, I don't want shirts on the figures because it stains them. Well, then don't collect them. Right now, I can't. Oh, oh Andrew, Andrew Thomas. Thomas got clotheslined in the corner. I am so shocked. He's always the one who goes down, man. Drop toehold, though, by Raven, who's got ankle an ankle lock. Is this a shout-out to Ken Shamrock? Oh, here no. comes Petey with the with the flag in the gut, and then, oh, oh again. Hockey stick to hockey the stick. midsection place. See, I always forget it's a hockey stick because it's also a flag. He's going to do the Destroyer? Raven's not about to take that. Cassidy Riley! Hey! Cassidy Riley! Oh, Preston likes to into the corner. I mean, there, there's a new feud. Cassidy Riley and Petey Williams, baby. What the fuck? Bobby Roode taking Lance Storm's move. Whoa. The Canadian Maple Leaf. That's how Lance Storm would do it in WCW. Holy shit. I rolled right into that. it. That was nice. Yeah. What's Petey doing? Petey's on the apron, but Cassidy's like, no. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Root collides with Petey. Raven's up. Raven, Raven effect. Effects. Oh, Even flow. that was nice. One, two, three. One thing I've noticed is Raven never faces the camera when he does that. <laughs> That's true. It's always like always. the side. Oh, he's Rhino. Oh, shit, Rhino. Raven jabbing away on his opponent. The man Unbreakable. What's the side of his tights say? Or his singlet, I should say. The big something. Oh, and Abyss well, is out. I know on the Indies, there's like big motherfucker or something like that. But there's no way that's what it says on Impact. Does it, does it say like MF or something? I don't know. It says big effing something, I think. Big deal. deal. B- big effing deal. Oh, lights out. Is Sabu. it Sabu or is it Jeff Hardy? Ooh. Remember, Jeff Hardy went after Abyss at the pay-per-view. But Jeff Hardy's going to have Rude, though. Yeah, but the TK. I, I say it's Sabu. Yeah, I think it's Sabu, too. It is. Chair to the face of Abyss. I like that. Those tights that Sabu's got on. Or pants, I should say. Yeah. It's like silver and black. Off the chair, takes Abyss outside the ring. Look at him keep dropkicking Rhino until he falls out. Sabu clears the ring. Okay, this camera angle is awful. There we go. Oh, he's still throwing the chair at the ropes, trying to keep Abyss out of the ring. Mm-hmm. 
frenemy team here. Sabu and Abyss are having a blood feud currently. Mitchell's trying to hold back Abyss with his cane. Rhino cannot believe what's happened. Sabu just keeps taunting. He doesn't know what to do. Okay. Live exclusive pay-per-view on Sunday, September 11th. Of course, our episode will be jumping Monday, September 11th. But, oh, I thought we were going to get like a little pay-per-view preview, but we don't. We go off the air. Too, too far away. All yeah, right. What did you think of that episode? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this one actually a lot better than last week, to be honest with you. Yeah. I thought it was a good show. Yeah. Thumbs up from me. Um, I mean, the tournament's still there for me, but I think the rest of it uh, is what got me going here. So I think that was good. And we have a lot more Unbreakable matches are lining up, which has got me pretty excited. Yep, so I, I would assume now uh, Sabu is going to be feuding with Abyss, right? I would assume that's the case, yeah. I mean, that makes the most sense. Yeah, that's what makes sense to me as well. Let's do it. Sounds yeah. good to me. Yeah, I have no uh, no problem with some hardcore wrestling. No, me either. And I think those know, two will do some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what they're known for, so... Right. Sign me up, baby. What's going to happen at Unbreakable? Are they going to fight each other? Or are they not? I don't know. We'll have to tune in to find out. As we march closer to Unbreakable. It's heating up, baby. I can't wait, though. I'm excited. I am, too. I'm looking forward to it. Unbreakable is a show that I haven't seen in a long, long time, too. And I don't know if I've seen the whole thing ever. I, I don't know if I have either. But we're gonna soon, September 11th. Yep. Uh, all right, Dallas, you got anything else or no? I think that covers us for uh, today's episode, Bob. I'm excited to keep watching. We got two more of episodes to go until Unbreakable, and then we uh, we're on a slight TNA break. But stay tuned. But really, I think we're at Unbreakable episode. We will uh, break down what we're gonna be doing for you guys over the next few weeks. Um, we got, we got some good stuff lined up and some that are still up in the air, so it's going to be good. Yep. We'll keep you guys posted and we will continue our trek through TNA 2005 next week as we get closer to unbreakable. But until then for Dallas Gridley, I am Bob Klein Jr. And this has been the TNA cross the line podcast. Okay.